This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by blooming cheating. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me... To discuss pretty much an inevitable defeat once we saw that team sheet, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome back. Hello, sir. How you doing? Hello. Well, I, I seem to get on the whiskey pretty quickly during that game because... We knew how it was going to go. You know, we build this, I think, on uh, something for the weekend as uh, a good bar. We were looking kind of forward to this City-Arsenal double dose just to see see where Villa were in the scheme of things. But you see that lineup, you see Mings missing. You knew the result was never in doubt as soon as you saw Mings missing because that was the uh, he was the neutralizer against Haaland. And then uh, you look at the bench and you're thinking, mm, not much really shaking there. And the game kind of played out as as was really. Yes. It's almost like it's it's a game that really didn't happen in terms of how am I feeling about Villa at this point in time. Anyway, how are you? I'm all right, yeah. I almost got into just capping off the game and uh, <laughs> closing off the uh, podcast. And it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye, see you later. Yeah. Shortest podcast yeah, ever. Yeah. It was like verbal doom scrolling, wasn't it? Oh, no, yeah. it wasn't. We'll get into that. But no, we'll get into the verbal doom scrolling. We're just asking Bud about his life just to uh, put that off for one second. No, it's all good, mate. It's been a busy How week was London? Week. I haven't been to London busy, this mate. year. Busy, mate. Busy and productive and the sun was out for the first time in a while, so that was nice. It's always nice going around the nice bits of London when the sun's out. And then a couple of gigs this weekend. Mr. Duran didn't turn up, unfortunately, this week, but uh, yeah, not a bad week. Phil Shaw, sure. how's, how's the lifestyle going? Are you still hanging out with Zogbia? <laughs> I wish I was hanging out with Zogbia. In bright I could, pink I suits. Pull off that. Yes, I could pull that off, no problem. Whatever happened to him, by the way? He'd vanished, didn't he? Nobody knows, nobody cares. Did he have a heart problem? Oh, now you've made me sound like evil. Yeah, 
<laughs> he, he blocked. He blocked me on Twitter and then rode off into the sunset. Well, no, there I am. Nobody cares, and you're saying he's got heart problems. It doesn't mean he wasn't a prick though when he was at Villa. Let's have it right. So Phil Shaw's all right. He's off to Villa Park against Arsenal. So hopefully they'll put up a better display than they did uh, against Manchester City. Right. So it's about time we got into the show proper, since we uh, we're still bewildered, as you can tell. Right. Before we get into the actual game itself and deliver the autopsy of what happened at the Etihad. I think it's time, as per usual, to uh, start with some news. Do you want to discuss the latest uh, shooting down over the uh, North America, shall we call it? Uh, This time it's unidentified. Or shall we talk about the unidentified team that is Aston Villa and the latest news surrounding them? Well, it's been four that have been shot down now, isn't it? So it's been one for every goal that Villa conceded against Leicester. Oh, Yes, the 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 defence was uh, unidentifiable in those uh, examples. Yes, let's just get on with the Villa news, shall we? First off, injuries as usual. Uh, there's a new boy in town. His, his name is Tyrone Mings, who went AWOL. The antidote to Harland, some would call him, suddenly missing. Now, Mings has his haters, but uh, as the evidence uh, suggests, uh, when Villa don't have Mings, there's not much chance of them winning, really, is there? We're a bit of a dumpster fire. As the record books show, I always remember that West Ham when Dean Smith made his big gesture of putting oh, him on dear. the bench, and that oh, turned dear. out well, didn't it? This time... We're not too sure at the time of recording this what the actual issue is. When Emery was uh, interviewed about it before the game, immediately before the game, he suggested that there was a chance that uh, he would recover for the Arsenal game. I hope so, because that's not going to go well, I don't think, uh, if he's not playing. Unfortunately for, for Villa, that Mings injury, it would have been more considerate if it was in, let's say, the back end of March when Diego Carlos would have been up and running. That's the thing. And Villa, it makes you actually think, actually, in the clear of day that Villa have been operating for a long time now where they've had the two first choice centre-backs. If one of them gets injured, the replacement's always so many steps down. Now, you know, with Carlos, you've got three proper centre-backs, you would say, whether yeah. they're all good enough in terms of the like the elite level is another question. But uh, Mings was missing, then you've got Carlos and Konza, and, and you're thinking, well, that's all right. You're not kind of sweating. So at least Carlos is coming back, and he'll be back in training with the team this coming week. So what would you say, two weeks, and then he's around the match day squad? Or is that too optimistic? Yeah, I think they'll probably have to ease him in with a couple of 23s games. I don't think they'll want to take too many risks the Achilles ones can be difficult can't they and with setbacks yeah. etc but Traore I would expect to be back for, for Arsenal certainly in the yeah, squad Traore joined, joined in training on Friday so uh, he should be in around the squad if not Arsenal then the next game against yeah. Everton Emmy Martinez was nominated for FIFA Goalkeeper of the Year award he's there against uh, Courtois and Yassin Benu who plays for uh, Sevilla Morocco's keeper who did of course have had a bit of a blinder in the World Cup yeah well I think this is based on World Cup performances uh well, it's the gloss, isn't it? That's why Martinez yeah. and uh, Benona are there. Courtois, you'd probably expect to be one of the top three in any judging capacity. Martinez also did an interview in France. It's a bit random, which was tweeted out 
And basically Martinez saying, yes, you know, you know, I'd love to be challenging for the Champions League. I'm good enough, blah, blah, blah. I want to win a title with Villa, but that's going to be difficult. It's, this is, you know, we've been saying this on the podcast uh, at the start, you know, early doors of this season, that if we didn't have a good season, then he'd probably be off ski. He would be looking, his agent would be sniffing, and it's common sense. And the more you get stuck in that mid-table below mid-table, the more likely it gets. So this is no surprise. Maybe this interview was set up as a little early, uh, well, it's basically waving his hand in the air, isn't he? Saying, look, I'm here, come and get me. (laughs) Think about about it. If you're interested in a keeper, I'm here. Meanwhile, in the Premier League 2, Division 2, under-21s game, Villa beat Stoke. They remain in uh, sixth place out of the 11 teams in the northern half in the uh, Premier League Division 2 but uh, I think they've won their last uh, five, if this last five table uh, is correct. They've had a few of the young lads who were out on loan back, haven't they? Yeah. Which seems to have improved them a lot. So they've muscled up a little bit. Yeah, it's quite a young side. Villa women, having drawn one all with Brighton uh, last week at home, went to, to, I think they play at Crawley, don't they, uh, the Brighton women? Went there and battered them. Uh, They were 5-1 up at halftime and finished up 6-2 with the newly signed Nobs uh, scoring a hat-trick. Good job. Yeah. Which uh, Mm. is more like it. You need to bolster the goal difference against some of these teams because obviously the top three or so teams always uh, give you a good battering. Well, at the moment, we're best of the rest, aren't we, sir? Yeah, although I think Manchester City, uh, they beat Arsenal this week. Mm -hmm. And Manchester City, Villa took four points off. And if they didn't take those four points off them, uh, Manchester City would have been top. So at least we've we've struck uh, Manchester City down in some uh, aspects of football. Hmm. Yeah, so we'll take I like it. the attitude of the man- manager, Carla Ward. She said, we'll pick the same starting 11 as last week because basically they weren't good enough last week. So give them a chance to rectify that this week. And they certainly did. Yeah. Well, that's what uh, Emery's been doing, isn't he? But Only because he's had to. Obviously, Mings was injured against City. But anyway, we'll get on to that uh, now, shall we? Let's. Right, as I've already said... You saw the team sheet, you saw Mings missing, you thought, hang on a minute, who's going to sort out Haaland? He thought, this isn't going to end well. You need your full-strength team. And uh, in terms of organisation, and in terms of just under the cosh, Mings is very good, I think. He's a talisman, but also he, he really helps organise that and that back line. But, and also his replacement, Chambers, is, is coming out of the cold. His first start since August just doesn't bode well and you know one of their goals Harlan basically tossed him away didn't he yeah big time yeah big time and what don't you do at City uh... what did we say in something for the weekend start well <laughs> stay in the game what did we do started horrendously and it was over by half time well it was it was over uh, after four minutes wasn't it <laughs> it was <laughs> their first goal from from a set piece I mean you look at the the you saw there's two or three city players just standing against our our team and like we've said before the profile and the height of the city players but you still have to track the man you still have to make it difficult for him Rodri nearly had a free header I mean Ollie Watkins is is standing there but it's not really it's, it's not really him but nobody attacked the ball I mean that's that's where you're looking Mings especially yeah He's, he sees the danger he attacks the ball so that would have been him but Rodri must have thought it was like Christmas he just nodded in and then it was at Martinez Martinez probably could have done a bit better with it but it's point blank range and that, that is what you feel are completely missing without Mings is he is the man who goes to meet the danger he, he's the one yeah. who attacks uh, corners set pieces whatever 
and it's frustrating. You know, you go to somewhere like City and you've we've seen them carve much better teams than Villa apart and score these picture book goals or worldies or whatever. Don't gift them a goal from a fucking corner. It's like, come on, give yourselves a chance. That's got to be so frustrating for the manager in the dugout after you know so early in the game as well. I wasn't watching it on on Sky, and what I was watching it on, they said uh, this is like early doors. They said, oh, when City had a corner, it might have been leading up to this goal. They said, oh, this is a City got a corner against a team that pride themselves on their set pieces both ends of the pitch. And I was thinking, what crack pipe is this guy smoking? <laughs> does does he not know? I know. That is still our weakness, I would say, uh, defending yeah. and attacking. And, and yet we we have, for marginal gains, we have a uh, set-piece specialist. I mean, Ollie Watkins did an interview after the game. He did an interview with Sky, and he was praising up Austin McPhee. He was saying, I mean, we'll have a set-piece coach, and he, he does great work, and, you know, we work hard at these all week, and it's just we let him down, and you're just sitting thinking, well, I mean, something has to give eventually in, in this sort of relationship with McPhee and the players. I mean, this relationship of failure... Yeah, but um, surprisingly, after conceding in the fourth minute, it took it took City another what over half an hour to get a second. Yeah, we kind of rode our luck a little bit straight after the first one, but then we actually did dig in for a little while. But again, then the usual Villa, the usual Villa error arrives again. Was it just me, or was it? I, I just I just smelt a huge stench of inevitability as soon as they went one yeah. 0 up. That this the, there was goals in this for City if if they yeah. wanted them. Yeah, I mean Martinez had saved from. Gundogan after he was put through and it was that slide roll pass I mean De Bruyne was great save that was to on be fair. yeah De Bruyne was and on he had a great, today he had a good and save from Grealish as well yeah. I mean you saw you saw their lineup. you saw their lineup, and you look at that front five really even the, the two sort of deep line midfielders as well and you just thought on paper Jesus Christ that is a scary front line if they're all firing yeah and if they're, and if mm. they're there, but we knew we knew they were coming off the back of the the defeat the week before. You knew full well that they were going to start quickly, and surely that you know the players will, will have known that. And it was the whole uh, reaction to what was happening off the pitch as well. Yeah, it was sort of the two narratives with that and the bullshit fucking banner in the stand praising their lawyer, which is just so squaresy, isn't it? There was a few what a shit fan base bullshit banners booing the Premier League anthem. You're thinking, yeah, great, boo it all you want because you might not be in the league next year. Hopefully, it doesn't matter if you're wrong or right, wrong or right. It's just the tribal thing of unifying together and taking on everybody. Well, I just hope that all the other 19 teams unify as well, and justice is uh, sought. I mean, some of the delusion of City fans online. I mean, and the most City of them press don't as even well. know how they don't even know how this. English League works you know I had to explain to one of them that the Premier League he said oh what, what's the Villa fans opinion why do you think that matters he said this is the Premier League and Manchester City's business and it's like well you do know that every team that is in the Premier League is a stakeholder they you know they have a percentage of you know equal percentage of the Premier League and he's like oh well, if that's a wind up that's a good one it's like these are facts you fool you're just arguing with idiots. This is not all Manchester City fans. These are the ones that have just got in on the plastic glory uh, trail. But yeah, back to the game. I mean, you know, at one nil, you think just just stay in the game and good save by Martinez. But I think he he, he allowed him to save it. If you know what I mean. He, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, there was the tackle that we can talk about on um, Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. Now you said about the front five of City, they're fearsome, but whenever you get past that front five, they're just, they're not what they used to be in defence, especially missing John Stones as well. They're there to be got out, aren't they? They really are. Uh-huh. 
So Bailey gets put through and he's only Diaz to beat and he takes a heavy touch, but then Diaz absolutely wipes him out. I mean, he gets the slightest sliver on the ball, but it was, wasn't was far off of Ben Mees tackling Wesley. Luckily, it wasn't the same result injury-wise, but it's one of those ones that you wouldn't have been surprised to see a free kick given, but he was the last man, so the referee isn't going to give it because then he's going to have to send him off. I kind of prefer a City defence with stones in it, to be honest. Always a liability, <laughs> isn't it? Anyway, let's get to the, uh, uh, the main bitch that caused a uh, argument in uh, match club uh, actually well heated debate i wouldn't say argument wait <laughs> heated debate we don't have arguments do we we just uh, have heated debates the the penalty which just came on the stroke of half time sealed the game mr jack Grealish won the penalty that's putting it politely earned now this is earned the penalty ramsey like caught rabbit in the headlights didn't really know what what happened because he didn't think he touched him but i think when you touch him even if it's just like a uh, a brush you can see it on the slow-mo it's like Grealish's dive is orchestrated like seconds after the actual if there was any contact i mean i, I still i'm not convinced i'd have to look at it about 10 more times to find out because the amount of times i've looked at it and it's like that's not really a penalty because you see him well he's playing for it like so acting. obviously playing for yeah it's like brazenly playing for it as well but he gets away with it. And you can see why the ref's given it because he's like, if there's the tiniest bit of contact, he's dangled his leg. It's a bit of contact. Yeah. It's going to get given now. And then once it gets given, it's not even going to go to VAR. Exactly. That was a it, would have been a great one to see, it would have been a great one to be not given and see VAR try and justify themselves given that. Because I don't, I don't think they would have given it if it went to VAR, if it hadn't been given by the referee. Yeah. The most frustrating thing for me about this whole penalty incident was it was, we've seen it a hundred times, Grealish winning free kicks like this and that's the thing free kicks because when Grealish Grealish used to win the do exactly the same thing and win free kicks it was always on the bloody halfway line because he always played so deep for Villa now if he was doing this around the edge of the box in the box you would have seen a higher points tally for Villa because we'd have been getting penalties and free kicks left right and centre we were getting them most foul player in the league consecutive years etc but it was always in deeper areas and that's the frustrating thing. You see him like, oh, shit, oh, yes, you do these things in the box, do you? Oh, well, it would have been nice to have known uh, back when you played for Villa. And at 3-0, of course, it was already pretty much game over after the second goal, which we won't you know, talk about too much because it was a pretty woeful piece of defending. 3-0, it's game over, and you think, well, this could get very, very ugly in the second half if we're not careful. That was the debate at half time, wasn't it? It was. We said it could go one or two ways. Either City take their foot off the gas. Well, it looked more likely because it's almost like they hadn't broken sweat yet. So it was like, well, yep. they could absolutely murder us here because we look lost, a lost cause. But what what I actually forgot at halftime was obviously they're playing Arsenal midweek. So they would take the foot off the gas here and just see it over the line because they'll be saving themselves for Arsenal. I mean, it's, it's bloody obvious, isn't it? Because this game yep. was yeah. done and dusted. Mm-hmm. But there was also, they were forced into a tactical change as well because Martinez colliding with Haaland. So it gave Haaland a bit of a dead leg. So Haaland went off. So yeah. City are automatically a, a different proposition without Haaland up front, especially when you don't have Mings. So I think even though City had chances in the second half, it just, I think maybe Chambers was able to relax a bit without having to deal with Haaland and Cons yeah. as well. So I think I think Cons actually had a good game. I think if this game was still live, maybe Haaland would have stayed on if they uh, if they needed it. Yep. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have taken the risk. Luckily, I thought Villa actually, for the most part, played you know pretty well in the second half. I think sixtieth minute triple subs, and they all did well, didn't they? When they came on, I thought the, the three subs goal within sixty seconds, wasn't there? 
Yeah. Yeah. Duran <laughs> was involved. Duran managed to. Well, let's talk neck about the, the subs away. first. Uh, Lucas Dean went off. Buendia went off. Bailey went off. On came Moreno, McGinn, and Duran. Some would argue, should they have started with those three on? Well, maybe not Duran, but was it the kind of game you would have had McGinn on and maybe Moreno on? It, it, it's hard to know when you're well, three my, down. Well, my but. theory was I I thought he would play McGinn instead of Ramsey because Ramsey was yeah. anonymous against Leicester. He was anonymous again in this game because he only had uh, he had 18 touches in f- 75 minutes in this game. He only had 20 odds against Leicester. Mm-hmm. So I would have had McGinn just to have a bit of bike, especially with Mings missing, like more of a senior character, but also somebody mm-hmm. who kind of got about a bit. Yeah. Apart from that, you know, you could argue, well, you took Lucas Dean off at half time in the last game. What was that for? Was it really just purely tactical? Because he obviously started again with him uh, yeah. over Moreno. And had a difficult afternoon, well, difficult first half, didn't he? Yeah. And was That's booked. a strange sort of setup, isn't it? Because, I mean, Moreno was, if you're led to believe it, is Emery's choice, Emery's signing. And yet he, the last two games he started with Dean. It's a, yeah. you'd, you'd like to know what was going on there. I don't think Dean was... That but he was worse last week against Leicester. He was against yeah. City. Mares roasted him a couple of times, but you know, sort of like that was that a reasonable duel that. in the first half. But then we got the goal back, and you thought, all oh, right, the, you know, a little bit of a wag in the tail from Villa for probably what twenty five minutes. I thought Villa had a, had a reasonable spell in the game. Once they got the goal, they got a bit of belief. It kind of came out of nowhere. Bit of a City yeah. complacency at the back played themselves into trouble. But I think. Duran did really well, set him up, and fair play to Watkins because you know Man City away for any striker is a pretty lonely afternoon. But when he gets into position, it's a cracking finish. If that goal came straight after half time, like let's say ten minutes earlier, then uh, I think City might have been sweating a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think they were pretty confident they could uh, see that one out. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, as, as I always say, it's always a good sign of a striker, even if he if he scores when you get beaten comfortably. At least he's keeping his confidence up, which is always good for the team on the whole, yeah. you know, going forward. Well, I think for the yeah. most part, really, we, we were pretty clinical, actually, when we got into the city half, because you know, we didn't have a lot of opportunities, but we brought... Cash came on for Ramsey later on, Coutinho for Young as well. I thought Coutinho did really well. He had a, a really close effort, didn't he? The keeper tips it over the one. And then, of course, Duran hits yeah. the bar, 
towards the end, it's like you thought, actually, and there's a couple of really good openings. I think Duran nearly got through and Coutinho was really pulling the strings. And you thought, oh, wow, okay, Buendia's had a couple of games here where he's been quite ineffective. Coutinho's really trying to put a marker down. And you saw little glimpses of you know the, 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 what the sort of the player we want to see who can sort of, you know, demand the ball and run the game for you and make things Let happen. Let me stop you there, bud. And ask you a question. Go on. Will we ever? Will we ever see a thirty-yard Exocet missile from uh, Philip Coutinho? We're going to see one before the end of the season. We're going to have one moment before he goes. Before he leaves, quality. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll leave I us with a parting gift. Week. Yeah, because that's what keeps us going, isn't it? The prospect of like our jaws hitting the floor at some point. <laughs> yeah, he does fifteen minutes of okay cameo stuff. Nothing. But you know, he didn't score or anything. I mean, I don't think he's contributed to a goal this season, if I'm Probably not mistaken. Not. But we're, it's because in the back of our minds, we're expecting him one day, 25, 30 yards, top hand corner. Will that day ever come, though? That's the question. Wow. And then we weren't necessarily um, expecting much from Duran again. A really difficult game when you've barely played in the Premier League. But I thought he did really well when he came on, put himself about. He was lively, got into some good positions. And his effort for the, the one that hits the bars, a great touch and sort of snap snapshot volley isn't it it's a great um great bit of play yeah, yeah. one touch out of nine that was yeah. one of his nine touches the sign of things to come with the actual venom that he hit it with because i mean something that many in that villa team don't do is actually have a shot if duran's going to have shots and they're going to be that potent you know with that pace on them yeah, it's, it, there wasn't much backlift, was there? Because it, it, it generates nope. power and speed so quickly. It's like, whoa, when it comes off his uh, bit like Robbie boot. Fowler, how he used to hit it where there's no backlift, yeah. he just smashes it. Because just the speed it comes off his boot, it, that takes you by surprise straight away. You're not ex- yeah, I mean, it's you past expect, the keeper, isn't it? Yeah, you expect any shot from there and how you were standing wouldn't wouldn't be that hit at that speed. Then finally we got rid of Ramsey since he wasn't, again, getting <laughs> yeah, got, involved. Got He's had a he's had a really difficult time, hasn't he, since he's come back actually from injury. Yeah, but he hasn't really uh, sparkled, has he? No, no. He's back to you're back to questioning what's his position because you don't know anymore. You mm-hmm. didn't know, and then we did know, and now he's back to that sort of like in between. Is he playing out wide, which is where Emery looks to put him? But he's he's actually a midfielder, or is he a midfielder with sort of like winger tendencies, and that's not working either. Yeah, I don't know if I. As a midfielder, I don't know if I... Uh, sometimes he's a bit sluggish in terms of the defensive part of his game, but obviously he's somebody who can drive you up. But he's got to get involved. He's got to get the ball. He's, he doesn't seem to be seeking the ball, does he? Because once he gets the ball, and if he drives it, you know, two or three players, gets you over the halfway line, that's where you want him kind of roaming. But if he's not looking for the ball, he's sometimes... A bit, actually, Buendia was a little bit anonymous in this game, but then, you know, obviously we're playing City, so you could explain that. But, he, he, you know, Buendia had 19 touches in in an hour, which is, for somebody who's meant to be an orchestrator of your team, is a bit embarrassing, really. So there could be changes against Arsenal. Unless he does a Carl Award and says, right, same team, you've got to do better. I think he kind of did that in the City game, I think, going to Arsenal. Yeah. You've almost got to think about... Uh, there's a couple of positions, you know, not many, but there's a couple of positions up for grabs there. Yeah, and if there's any game that Emery will be more invested in, in terms of, the, you know, emotionally, and uh, we, we were saying in Match Club about at least the thing about Gerard, he had a chip on his shoulder against Manchester United, against, you know, about Chelsea, about Manchester City. So that would be that extra driving force with mm. Emery is a bit of a kind of a neutral but then you think oh actually Arsenal is one uh, team that might we finish uh, business you, know, you might go the extra 10, 10% to uh, get a result and especially after the way you know, especially defensively the last couple of weeks have gone he's going to want a really positive response you know he's been sort of trying to put the marker down at Villa Park where it hasn't gone you know other than the, the, you know, the really big Man United win a pretty scrappy win against Leeds they've not been great on home soil since his arrival yeah 
but it'd be a great time to do it against Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, although, you know, if Arsenal get an early goal, then I think that Villa Park's going to get a bit quiet, so uh, fans need to get into it. Lunchtime ones can always be a little bit hard, can't they, atmosphere-wise? Yeah, still waking up, aren't you, most of the Mm. time? But unpredictable as well, so the predictability would be Arsenal winning, so who knows? Right, uh, anything else to say on this? No, I think it's one of those sweep-it-under-the-carpet games, this one. Try and take a few positives from some of the second half performance, but just on to the next one. Yeah. They got out of it without their spread being completely crushed that last sort of half hour where they had a few chances and got the goal. That was important. If it had no. been a, a four or five nil, that would have been yeah. trouble. If yeah. you carry that one into the next game, I think. Yeah, from a psychological point of view, uh, it's good they kind of won the half. One thing I will say, to show you, squad-wise, we're still very frail if uh, we lose so. one centre-back and the whole belief in the whole team goes just like that. And well, When you've got to have two goalies on the bench again. Yeah, and one of them nobody's heard of. I'm looking forward, hopefully nobody gets injured uh, in, in the time that Carlos and Trore uh, are on the bench. And then you'd have a feeling that we had a bit more of a well-rounded matchday squad. I mean, they might just put him in the bench for Arsenal just to make the numbers up. <laughs> in, in their thermo boots or whatever, their recovery yeah. outfits. Right, uh, let's get out of the Villaverse for uh, a second. And uh, let's quickly go through the three points. PGMOL. We're forced to make a statement after a weekend of poor VAR decisions. I'm, I mean, I'm, my eyes glaze over now about VAR because it's, it's just they're just not sorting it out. It's embarrassing. Anyway, Howard Webb, he summoned all Premier League officials to have an emergency summit this week. The statement just, I mean, in, in a nutshell, just basically said, oh, human error. Yeah, but you notice who it happened to. I mean, it happened to Arsenal. It has to happen to a big team for something like this to be sort of highlighted. A team going for the league that's cost them two points. Yeah, in the statement, uh, it says Lee Mason forgot to draw the lines for Bradford's equaliser and the wrong line was drawn in the Brighton game. When I say human error, I mean, I've had meetings with uh, these PGMOL guys and you get a sense they're, they're from, you know, What's wrong in society a lot of the times is bureaucracy and it's this kind of jobs worth attitude where you're not open to change or you're not open to dynamic change and you're not progressive and proactive and they're going to, you know, they'll kick around things before they change them for like months. One season, dry run, collect the data from that. How do we tweak it? How do we communicate it better in stadiums, etc.? Next season, you should be pretty decent. You know, some minor tweaks here and there. This is like still in a car crash city, isn't it? It's still uh, yeah. as if as if it's they've just implemented it. It's so inconsistent. It's infuriating. It's even worse when you're in the ground. The, yeah, as you say, the inconsistency is, is is bordering on ridiculous. And yeah, they need to take the human error out. Whether that's robot referees, AI not referees. Actually, yeah, I mean, not actually drawing the line and then in the Palace Brighton game, drawing the line from the wrong defender. I mean, that's just what's going on. Yeah, that's just incompetence. Yeah. Is it the, the pressure's on them? Or like, is it like they know the clock's ticking or something there and they start making these stupid errors? I mean, in isolation, if there was no VAR, the calls were tight enough that you would have just looked at the replay match today and went, oh, got away one there, oh, they were unlucky with that one. But VAR making everything a binary decision, it's just, no, you're you're wrong. It needs sorting out. I used to feed into a football sports association group that met with PGMOL, and this is one of my, the things I push forward uh, at this annual general meeting, is we have to have regular meetings with these, you know, at least feed into them every month. 
And, you know, I've been on a few of these Zoom meetings with them, but then you just shrug your shoulders and go, we need different personnel running this show or else uh, it's never going to improve. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, point number two, Bayern Munich looks set to find Mr. Neuer, who has, uh, he got injured on a skiing uh, incident, didn't he? Looking to find him over £1.4 million after criticising the club in an interview what was he criticising them about? He was criticising them about them replacing his goalkeeping coach and ex-Schalke teammate, Tony Taplovich, um, who's a friend of his as well. He'd worked with him for 11 years and then Neuer's laid up in hospital getting with his leg knitting back together and they've just went and replaced his, his coach in his absence. Yeah, I'm sure there's more to it. There must be a reason why. Yeah. We're blaming him for uh, send, uh, allowing uh, Neuer to go skiing, probably. Mm. That looks to be it, doesn't it? It just seems to be a gradual breakdown in relations between the two they could be looking for a new goalkeeper in the summer enter stage left emmy martinez (laughs) (laughs) oh dear that's the main villa fan defense at the moment about martinez well you know what team really needs a goalkeeper well here's one (laughs) yeah i i keep saying that if alex ferguson was in town with this manchester united team as it is and he's looking for the final pieces of the jigsaw to win the title martinez is so much his style of goalkeeper that he would get him in and he would punt off Squirrel Boy back to Spain. And a big personality who'd probably you know, relish playing at Old Trafford every week. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. You, you need the big man uh, to win leagues. You need, well, just, I'm just talking about the Manchester United uh, template. It was always yeah, Schmeichel yeah. of, you know, Van der Sar. And Martinez is, is from that, cut from that cloth, really. Anyway, yeah. we're, not, we're not running a show to sell off Martinez uh, at the moment. Yep. Uh, point number three, speaking of ex-Villa, <laughs> uh, ex-Villa assistant uh, Michael Beale uh, took a leaf out of Mr. Bielsa's book by uh, letting Patrick Fissle score an uncontested goal against Rangers. Didn't affect the scoreline in the end. Rangers went on to win 3-2. But similar situation, Rangers scored a controversial goal to make it 2-1 after dispossessing a Thistle defender who was about to play the ball back to Rangers. After a scuffle on the pitch, Beal signalled for Thistle to score an equaliser. All right, uh, medium Muppets. Right then, Phil, what's in the medium Muppet trough this week? Well, it's, I don't like using the Birmingham Mail all the time, but sometimes you just can't look past it. They've an absolute banger here. So desperate were they to capitalise on the Manchester City situation that they came up with this headline. Pep Guardiola accuses Aston Villa of conspiring against Man City after charges. Now, remember what I said earlier on in the show about the Premier League. The stakeholders are all the teams in the league. So what I'm thinking here... Has Reach Media, the company behind the Birmingham Mail and, and most of the uh, the daily papers, basically run the same story but just changed the name of the team? Anyway, continue. But does he actually mention Villa? He said plenty of other things, but Villa weren't mentioned at all. Exactly. His actual words were, when asked if it was the clubs behind the allegations, he goes, of course, it is the Premier League. I don't know why. You have to ask the CEOs, Daniel Levy, these kind of people. So he's, he's name-checked Daniel Levy, so he's, he's still sort of 
raw after Spurs wouldn't sell him Harry Kane's. It was a couple of seasons ago where all the teams that were in the shake-up for Europe, I mean, going down to Burnley and uh, Wolves, all there's nine of them that complained and he named them it, like he you know he remembered them all or he's been I mean they've obviously been briefed on this situation because they're trying to reassure him that the shit isn't isn't about to hit the fan Villa aren't mentioned in it at all it's it's just such a cheap headline it's uh, it's embarrassing it is and then I did spot another one ex-Villa boss Tim Sherwood had a bit of a howler on Sky Sports Soccer Saturday when he was went into a full-blown rant criticizing Spurs latest signing Pedro Porro who he claimed to have watched at Benfica. There's one problem there, Tim. Uh, Poro had never played for Benfica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs> oh, dear. Sherwood down to a T. <laughs> What's the old scar record? Market trader. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I just want to say a big thank you to uh, the Mailman Said members, especially the ones that joined us in Match Club for the City game. We have, it's like, it's, it's kind of a virtual walkout, isn't it? Where <laughs> when we do, a, game, yeah. yeah, when we do an a, a away game, so we'll, we'll talk for, you know, we will basically have a podcast that people can join in on uh, half an hour before the game. Then, you know, we all disappear, watch the game, then adjourn at half time and discuss it again. And then obviously watch the second half and then come back after the second half. So it's, you know, it's like a live podcast that everybody can join in on. But when you know it's not going well and the game is over, we, we normally just carry on talking while the game is on in the background. And those are more of the fun ones, aren't they? It's like, yeah, it's uh, good. Gets you through the horror Got us of, through a few of what is taking place. Lockdown, didn't it? It did. Yeah, back in the day of uh, relegation battles, etc. Anyway, so uh, thank you for everybody who joined us for the Manchester City game. And also a uh, big shout out to uh, Andrew Wing, Mr. Leighton Castle, who returns, and uh, Sam Loins, who are the latest members of my old man said so thank you very much for joining up uh, also you, when you join up as well as getting access to match club you do get ad free versions of the show so if ads are annoying and eating into your time then this is one way of getting rid of them also you get extra shows and uh, i will get those belated uh, mad few sessions out uh, in the next few days if you want to join us uh, annually you will also get 10 percent off which is just over a a month's free so please do go to myallmansaid.com click on the members link for more details and to sign up there thank you very much we normally we do uh emery's clipboard but just uh just not in the mood i need to eat i haven't eaten i've just been drinking whiskey while that game was on so i need to uh, <laughs> eat uh, pronto but we will uh quickly end with the media nugget because it is related to this manchester city situation so what have you got phil well during during this time, and it's going to be years probably before this gets there. What do you mean years? A, I, I want them relegated at the end of the season, for fuck's sake. I know. End of the week, not end of the season. Uh, <laughs> but no, in a time like this, it's important to get like a source that's sort of impartial and sort of stays away from tribalism. So the Tariq Panja is a journalist who works for the New York Times. He's been following the city story throughout for years, and he, he's like the go-to person to follow for football corruption stories. And and Manchester City fans have been trolling him like hell as well. I've, I've been watching yeah. the comments on this stuff. I'll look forward to him having the last laugh then. Yeah, hopefully. But he picked up, this is the kind of details that he's picking up that are just glazed over by the, the sort of what you would call the mainstream media as well. Um, this detail he picked up from Pep's Siege Mentality press conference that he had. So Panja tweeted, Pep, he refers to Abu Dhabi taking over the club. 
Manchester City have insisted Abu Dhabi doesn't own Man, Man City, but it is owned by Sheikh Mansour in a private capacity. Mansour has been to watch his team at home once in 14 years. So th- this is the kind of detail and nitty bitty detail that this is going to go down to. Yeah. So it's important to like seek out your source and try and avoid tribalism. He said, she said, just stick to the facts. What's about tree? What about Chelsea? Yeah, well, their, their time will come as well. I mean, at the minute, we're concentrating on the city. But the Premier League put a statement out and they had to retract that because some of their uh, accusations were, let's say, a bit shonky. And this could be the problem. It will be the problem. And there's, there's also a, a train of thought that the Premier League are only doing this now because of this threat of an independent uh, commissioner that the fan-led government review has pinpointed. So they're trying to act all ballsy just to try to wriggle out of having an independent commissioner but Christian Perslow the Villa CEO is totally against interference from an independent commissioner but you know as I said to him I said there is a reason why this is muted because you can't have what's happened to Berry happening you have to belatedly now have some checks against the likes of Manchester City Chelsea Newcastle's all of these teams by the way are the bane of these are the bane of Perslow's uh, existence because for Villa to get anywhere where the new owners need to be or want to be, they've got to beat these freewheeling, financial fair play abusing teams. So it's not like this has come out of thin air, this independent commissioner. It's like the Premier League, is, it's, uh, it's a joke. I mean, it still pisses me off when I see on Twitter, like, you know, sort of, tweet from Manchester City fans advertising the food bank uh, you know collection before the Villa Manchester City game you're thinking this this uh, it's oxymoron of fans having to help each other with food banks or whatever and then meanwhile you've got all these pricks you know sitting at home playing FIFA or computer games earning 100 you know 150 grand a week it's the disparity between the actual game and then the culture of supporters around it you couldn't get two polar opposites really and increasingly the football premier league teams are there just to collect data on their fans and then try to get as many as much money out of them at every opportunity and uh, in march uh, next month you will if you're in the whole tens you'll start to receive surveys asking you what you kind of want and you know do you eat and do you go to the halt suite and blah and it's all about upselling you and trying to and maybe there's going to be another level of uh Sweet, where you can go in and maybe you pay a little bit more, but you get a better seat and better facilities. There's, there's a, going to be a big gentrification attempt across the whole ground, and uh, you know this continues. And then, meanwhile, uh, fans are putting out and retweeting collections for food banks, and then they have to, you know, then they're going to the game, and the club. Are, not only will they try to take the ticket money, which they've obviously got in the bank already, but they'll try to upsell you as well. So, so this is why I, I want City taken down because they're part of this massive inflation across across the game anything to add (laughs) (laughs) not from me right man needs to eat we will be back with something for the weekend for arsenal so uh, tune into that and that should be a better day it's at home while we've been better away this was a it's a kind of anomaly this task missing mings you haven't got a chance against these creeps and then after that it should get interesting because uh, you're playing t- teams in the relegation picture that are got a need for points so uh, Villa are going to have to find a way to uh, get motivated because there is a danger of this season slipping a bit where we become the archetypal mid-table team that is playing really at 90% motivation and when they come against your teams battling at the bottom who do they want to play the most 
nice. The teams at the bottom want to play the mid-table teams that are, uh, you know, devoid of uh, urgency. So hopefully we don't become that team. That's why if we don't beat Arsenal, we've got to uh, get a result quickly against Everton or else we may be uh, slipping a bit. That's my warning message at the end of this pod. Yep. Right. Everybody, I hope you have a good week and thanks for listening. And it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.